Hello everyone, this is Deborah Richardson and today I am putting the AP in Happy where accounts payable teams are empowered to protect the vendor master file from fraud. This podcast will give a voice to accounts payable team members by talking about the growing reality of cyber attacks in their world and which vendor setup and vendor management techniques they can apply to protect the vendor master file from fraud. Stay tuned. So if you have been on my website, DeborahRRichardson.com, or perhaps my LinkedIn profile, you have seen that I say I help accounts payable teams protect the vendor master file from fraud. And sometimes it's not easy explaining what I do to those outside of the accounts payable function. So to explain it to a group of business owners today, I presented three fictional stories about employees that work in the accounts payable function and are about to have a bad fishing day or a bad ethical choice day. And I thought it would be fun to share it with you. And then I will follow up with a true story about a comptroller, a small town, and misuse of public funds that is actually in a documentary that is available on Netflix as of this podcast date, Friday, February 8th, 2019. So if you need some entertainment while you're inside on what for some of us will be a cold weekend, that will be good entertainment. I will end the podcast by telling you about a chance to win a free putting the AP and happy coffee mug. So welcome to episode 17, three fictional stories and a documentary on internal and external fraud. So for the three stories, we're going to use three employees, Heather, John, and Dave. Now Heather, she works at a small business and because she works at a small business with less than five employees, she has many hats, one of which is to pay vendor invoices. She does the three steps necessary. She creates the vendor records, she enters the invoices, and she generates the payments. Now, John, on the other hand, works at a large business, and that large business pays a lot of invoice. So many that they have a centralized department, the accounts payable team, and they even have separate groups within that team, one for creating the vendor record where he works, another group to enter the invoices, and another group that generates the payments. And because this is a large business, they have a plan in place for urgent payments where that request is sent to a completely different group to send a payment via wire. Now, Dave, Dave works at a medium-sized business and medium-sized businesses can have an accounts payable team with different groups handling the different steps like John at his large firm or 
they can have one person like Heather at a small company, it just depends on their volume of invoices. But we're going to assume that Dave at his medium-sized company is like Heather. He creates the vendor record, enters the invoice, and generates the payments. Now, let's also assume that today is Wednesday. And for Heather, John, and Dave, they all have their vendors paid every Wednesday. So everyone has to go to work. Now, Heather, her daughter is sick, but because she is the only one that can pay vendors at her small company, she knows that she has to go in. So she leaves her daughter with a friend and goes to work. So she's worried but she's there. And when she got to work, she realized that she received an email from a vendor asking her to update their banking details because they just switched banks. Now, because she was worried, she didn't notice that the email address from the vendor was spoofed and there was one letter in the email address that was the clue that the email was not really from the vendor's domain. So what did she do? Well, you guessed it. She updated the vendor's banking based on that email and the cyber criminal received the payment. Now, if Heather would have used authentication techniques combined with the internal control of contacting the vendor prior to updating the vendor record to confirm the change that banking change would not have been made. So Heather's not having a really good day. So let's check John and let's see how his day is going. Well, it's not going much better. John had an accident on his way to work. He's fine and there was no one hurt, but his brand new truck, not even 30 days old, still with the paper tag on it, was sideswiped. And he was able to drive away, but he was really angry, one, that his new truck was hit, and two, that he's going to be on the line for a $1,000 deductible with his insurance company because the driver that sideswiped him was not insured. So he is angry. Now, when John got to work angry, he noticed that he received an email from his CEO asking him to create a new vendor and use the urgent process to get a wire payment today. Now, being angry, he was already emotional and the emotional trigger of having your CEO email you and request an urgent process he hurried up and created the vendor record and sent the request to send the wire. And of course, the cyber criminal was paid. If John's company would have implemented the internal control of a two-person approval for wire requests through email, that wire may never have been sent. Why? Because now you have an additional person that reviews the email for fraudulent activity that is not angry and can see the clues of urgency being from the CEO as a possible phishing or fraudulent email. 
especially since in a large company, the CEO never sends an email to someone like John. I mean, I was a senior manager in accounts payable and I never received an email from our CEO to make any urgent payment to a vendor. So John's not having a good day either. So let's check on Dave. Now Dave, Dave has been at his medium-sized company almost since its inception and through its growing years. He's a trusted employee and he loves working there. So when a newly created position that came with a substantial increase in pay was available, Dave was excited. There was one other employee who was being considered and while that employee had slightly more experience at a rival company, That person had only been employed there less than a year. And Dave really needed the increase in pay because ever since his divorce last year, he has been under financial pressure. Unfortunately, he found out yesterday that he lost the job to the new person. Here is the epitome of the fraud triangle. Dave is under pressure financially, so there's pressure. He has the opportunity with access to the accounting system, so there is opportunity, and he rationalizes that with all the work he's done for the company and they didn't give him the job, they owe him. So there's the fraud triangle, pressure, opportunity, and rationalization. So can anybody take a guess at what Dave did today right before he processed vendor payments? So he has access. He just switched the bank account on a vendor record to his bank account. He entered in an invoice and he generated the payment to himself. Then he changed the vendor record back to the vendor's original banking details, none the wiser. But if Dave's leadership had implemented proper internal controls when you don't have segregation of duties to review and approve a payments report that checks for red flags such as changed bank accounts, Dave would not have received the payment because his leadership would have seen the changed bank account would have reviewed or asked for the supporting documentation, it could not have been presented and Dave would have been caught. Now those are fictional stories and they can happen because employees are going to have off days. We can't rely on them to spot phishing attempts 100% of the time. And we also can't rely on trusting that every employee will be ethical. So you combine authentication techniques with internal controls and best practices to have the best possible outcome of preventing fraud. And for the group of business owners that I talked to today, they were able to understand what I do through those stories. Now, as promised, here is a true story and it is a documentary that you can watch on Netflix. It's called all the queen's horses and it is about a comptroller a small illinois town and how she stole 53 million dollars in public funds over a 20-year period it is a true story 
Now, I don't want to give away the details, but if internal controls were in place, she would not have been able to get away with embezzling that much money and for that long of a period of time. And it's really interesting too how she was caught. It wasn't a big event. It was something that was happened upon. So again, it is something, it's a documentary that's worth watching because it shows the toll that it took on the town. And what is really bad is that because of the loss of those funds, the town suffered because during that period, a lot of road work was not done. But the good news is that once she was caught, her assets were sold. I mean, it didn't replace the 53 million. I think it was more like 17 million or so that they were able to get back. But that money was used to do some of the road work and the bridge projects that were not done. And it's not just the 53 million that she stole. It's also that the interest that the town had to pay on the debt incurred because at the time she was doing the embezzlement, it led to shortfalls in the budget that resulted in them having to borrow money. So it's a good documentary. It's about 70 minutes long. It's still on Netflix again as of the taping of this podcast, which is Friday, February 8th, 2019. And I will put the name and I'll try to put a link also in the show notes. Now, lastly, I want to talk about how you can win a putting the AP in happy coffee mug. Last month, I had a promotion where if you signed up for my email list and became a subscriber, I would enter your name in a drawing to win a free putting the AP in happy coffee mug. And I did that last month and it worked out really well. So I'm going to actually make that a monthly drawing or contest for all subscribers. I will pull one name per month and the first of every month and I will give away the coffee mug. So if you would like to be included, please sign up for my email list. If you're on my site, DeborahRRichardson.com, you can sign up via a pop-up dialog box or scroll down to the footer. And when you put your email address in, you will be given a vendor validation reference list um, for signing up. But then I'll include your name in the drawing for the putting the AP and happy coffee mug. So sign up and good luck. Thanks everyone. I hope you enjoyed the 17th episode of putting the AP and happy podcast where accounts payable teams are empowered to protect the vendor master file from fraud. Don't forget to check the show notes for the name and link to the documentary, All the Queen's Horses. If you want more information or training to protect the vendor master file from fraud, please visit DeborahRRichardson.com. If you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing and writing a review of my podcast on the platform that you use to listen. Stay happy. Stay happy.